This is Behind the Lens, a podcast from The Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. On this week's episode, the New Orleans Police Department has begun implementing drones to fill gaps in recruitment. The eyes in the sky will be deployed strategically, according to officials, but some privacy advocates are concerned. And in some areas of the city, the iconic Crescent and Star water meter covers have been replaced by new, generic-looking smart meters, which the sewerage and water board say, if they work as planned, could resolve the agency's notorious inflated bills and detect leaks in near real time. Those stories, insight, and analysis coming up on Behind the Lens. Joining us this week, criminal justice reporter Nick Crastle. Hi, Nick. Hey, Carolyn. Education reporter Marta Jusen. Hi, Marta. Hey, Carolyn. And photojournalist LaChance Perry. Hi, LaChance. Hi, happy to be here. Hi. All right, Nick, NOPD now has a fleet of drones. Tell us what they are, why they say they need them, and what are their plans to use them? Yeah, so NOPD has purchased four drones, um, and last month they released a draft policy on, on drone use, and this was kind of their announcement that they had them. Um, they said they wanted to, to solicit public feedback on their policy and kind of, you know, be transparent with how they're going to use these, but we still don't know kind of a lot of details about how they will actually be used. Um, the policy, you know, provides sort of a wide range of, of instances in which uh, the, the department could deploy them. Um, so things like traffic crash investigation so it could go up and, and kind of try and recreate the the scene of a, an accident in emergency situations they could potentially deploy them um and and you know kind of do damage assessments things like that um but also uh it's possible they can use them for for surveillance and for um, criminal investigations um they could use them at events and at protests so like i say it's a wide range of of things and on the one hand, the department has said, you know, we're going to be um, utilizing the things in very specific scenarios. They're not just going to always be up there. On the other hand, you know, based on, on just what we have with the policy, it's not entirely clear what their decision making is going to be for, for when they when they deploy them. Okay. The, the photographs show that these are... Um... You know, I don't know drones, so I have to caveat this. But, but you know, there's a wide range from movies like Eye in the Sky, where there's people in a bunker or in a trailer somewhere in, you know, any town USA commandeering or piloting drones that are flying over wartime territory, thousands, if, you know, tens of thousands of miles away. And then there's ones that you know, people can operate in their backyard to get a, a view of um, whatever they want, you know, like their neighbor's backyard or their house. You know, you talked to somebody in your story that used hers to survey some damage on her house. It looks from the photographs that these are more like the latter type of drones that are, you know, just almost consumer quality yeah, and you know, I'm also not a drone expert, <laughs> but yes, these are going to be piloted drones, and so NOPD has now ten trained pilots that they said went through you know several months of, of training to get their licenses. 
Um, and so they will be operating them. And, and you know, Les Jansen and I went to to this demonstration um, a few weeks ago, and and uh, one of the officers actually demonstrated and kind of had this joystick looking thing, and, right. and you know, put, put the drone up into the air. Um, and there was a screen that showed kind of the video it was capturing um, while up there. So yes, I think that you know, I don't think these are going to be drones with kind of pre-programmed routes that are going. Yeah, you know, like you said, hundreds of miles away. But I think there is some questions. You know, the policy right now says that the the drone should be in the uh, uh, field of vision of of the officer that's piloting it. it. But it gives some exceptions in you know exigent circumstances, or if the pilot has a waiver to to fly it. Um, you know, beyond that. So I think that there very likely could be instances in which pilots are, are operating these drones kind of outside of their field of vision. But like I said, those are kind of some of the questions that, that we don't have full answers to yet. What did they say about obtaining waivers? How, how, what's that process? The FAA requires certain waivers um, for, for piloting drones outside of your field of vision. But it's not clear to me how many current NOPD drone pilots have that waiver. Um, so, like I say, and, you know, that was a, a question that someone brought up at, at this demonstration, but the, there just wasn't really a, a clear answer from, from the department. Okay. So it's a person waiver and not an agency waiver? I believe it's a person waiver. Mm, okay. Uh, so what are, what are some of the concerns that are being brought to the NOPD by community advocates or just, you know, regular members of the community and privacy advocates? I think that one of the interesting things is um, what's not being taken into account by NOPD is the relationship that they have with the community. Um, I think that based off history, I think based off the black community and our experience with, um, you know, the police system, I think that it's only right to be apprehensive or it's only fair to have certain apprehensions. And I believe that's what we saw that there's just simply a lack of trust, not only within how the drones will be used, but just in NOPD as an entity itself. So I think that that's what we saw a lot of is just mistrust of how they'll be used, if transparency is really gonna be there and if people are gonna be safe. So I think those are the things that really stuck out to me. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I think a lot of the concerns over, over drones kind of are concerns uh, with policing in general, you know, where are these drones going to be deployed? Are they going to be, you know, targeting certain neighborhoods more than others? Um, are they going to, you know, the, the, according to the policy, they'll get search uh, warrants if the drones are doing surveillance for, you know, anything that might require it. Um, but whether or not that will, will, you know, really happen, and I think um, people have concerns. And, you know, there's distrust over NOPD's use of technology and surveillance technology dating back years, the Landry administration had this predictive policing software that it was using without kind of the knowledge of, of the city council for a long time. Um, you know, the department claimed that they weren't using facial recognition software for years, um, despite, despite, you know, using it through the state police and other agencies. Um, so there's this kind of history of distrust. And I think for, you know, for some people, there's probably a sense of, okay, I can see how these drones could be helpful in certain situations, but we want to make sure that they're kind of really 
clear and strict uh, um, uses for them and that we know what they are. And I also think that there, you know, uh, some people who think that the NOP shouldn't be investing in, in more surveillance technology that, mm. that, you know, there's, we've kind of done enough of going down this, this, uh, route and there's hundreds of crime cameras all over the city already. There's a, you know, a real time crime center that is set up to monitor them. And I think, you know, some people just uh, don't believe that that is, is the kind of type of, um, policing apparatus that we should be building and investing in. Right. There's two layers here to me also that um, there's one, it's NOPD that will be utilizing this new technology. And then two, just a general, I would think if people are anything like me in particular, I've had drones come up over my backyard when I've been out in my backyard. I've had a drone hovering around and I went and got my air rifle, went and pointed it at it. I didn't fire. So that's the other level that just anyone hovering over a, you as a private citizen and you look up and there's a camera above you that already raises people's hackles i think there's a lot of questions like you said about uh right to privacy right like we've kind of i think we've litigated most of that stuff in terms of like you know people's feet on the ground but you have a fence that no one can see through so what happens when they put a drone in the air right um, and similarly, I think there are there are unlitigated um, questions out there about things, you know, like the plain view doctrine, right? And I I know this from Criminal Justice 101, so I'm not a lawyer. Don't don't take my word for it. But you know, like if police officers from the street can see something illegal inside your house through a window, um, they are allowed to take action on that. But you know, if they're putting a drone up in the air and they couldn't, you know, reasonably have been uh, able to see something through your window or in your backyard. Uh, that's a whole new ball game here. Right. On the other hand, I thought it was really interesting what the, what the response was that, um, the public, I think Nick, you, you say in your article that, that someone said, you know, to, in response to this sort of community uproar, if I can characterize it as that, uh, you guys don't, get to say what kind of vehicles we purchase. This is just another tool. Yeah, so that was a comment made by, by the deputy chief of, of NOPD. And, you know, I think sort of illustrates the balance that NOPD is is trying to find here with the drone policy. On the one hand, they put out this policy and said, you know, we want public feedback. We respect your views. We're going to kind of, um, you know, incorporate, incorporate it into how we operate. But then someone said, well, you know, what if we don't want drones at all? And they said, well, we already bought them, you know? Right. Um, and so that, there, there's certainly a limit to um, uh, kind of the, the input that they were accepting at, at that point. And, you know, also kind of a balance of how useful these things are going to be. You know, they, I think they're trying to, to pitch them as, as something that's really going to, you know, help public safety and, and, um, uh, you know, kind of increase efficiency in the department, but also they really want to limit expectations in terms of, of what they're going to be using it for and, and kind of quell concerns that, you know, like we were talking about that they're going to be these kind of ever present, um, hovering menaces, uh, in, in people's communities and, and at public events and things like that. Um, and I think it's really 
you know, it just remains, we just don't know um, how, how the department is actually going to be deploying these things. I'm, uh, I also was just thinking, like, visually, is there going to be any separation between NOPD drones and then personal use drones? I think that's something that um, wasn't quite brushed upon as well. Just how would the average everyday person be able to tell that's actually an NOPD drone? So they might not do what you did, Carolyn, which is getting their um, AR soft gun and just pointing at it and things of that nature. So I think that... Um, it's just it, it just comes down to mistrust. I think it, it like you guys said, it comes down to privacy. It comes down to safety. It comes down to just a, a general lack of mistrust. So I think that there it's going to be quite interesting seeing the rollout for these to see how they're introduced into the community as well, and just to see how they'll be used for sure. Are they flying now? Any of them? Do you know? Do you know, Nick? I don't believe so. Um, the the final policy hasn't been posted on their website yet. Um, so my understanding is that is that they wouldn't be utilizing them. Um, but you know, we know from from previous reporting that the Louisiana State Police, which has a drone program, has util- has used their drones in New Orleans previously. So we, you know, reported on protests after George Floyd killing um, in Minneapolis, and and the state police used drones for that event. Um, I'm currently trying to get more information about kind of how frequently that had had occurred in the last you know several years but i'm not, i don't believe that they are they're currently deployed right now i will say to to the chance's point about kind of being able to identify them as as police objects you know that was a question that someone asked are they going to be marked as as uh nopd in the mm. you know deputy chief kind of didn't didn't really give a clear answer in the policy there are two sections. One section suggests that NOPD notify the public when drones are being utilized, if it makes sense in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of the implication being if it's not for a uh, sort of uh, more covert surveillance operation, they should consider doing it. And then there's another section that says if they're being used uh, to monitor uh, what the policy calls First Amendment assemblies, which I think we can kind of assume to mean protests, um, that then it, there is a requirement that the public be notified that the the department inform a public information officer who then um, needs to put out some sort of a, um, a, a bulletin or a social media post informing the public that, that a drone will be there. Okay. And was the banner, did they lead with that we, we, are, we need this because we're short? staffed or was no, that secondary exactly. they, they use what they use is the term force multiplier which kind of you know implies that this technology is going to to be able to um you know do 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 the work of uh many, many officers if, if my understanding of that is correct but God, um, i keep hearing that term that's a that's a term they've yeah. been using a lot it's a bit ominous to me i don't i'm not sure about that term well, you know, you could you could try and suggesting try suggesting something else that uh, a little softer, but um, that's definitely what what they're going for um, or going with. Am I wrong? You've been using they've been saying that a lot lately. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a favorite law enforcement um, term. I mean, yeah. it's just totally like 
I mean, this is public agency, but it's like Fortune 500 language, uh, you know, on this higher level business. Business speak. Like when, when they say something like harmonizing when they're laying people off, that's kind of what it feels like for <laughs> Yeah, even right-sizing, come on. Like, yeah, we've yes. gotten so used to it now, we don't think about it as business speak, but boy, is it ever. Right, that means closure. Let's say the word. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, well... Um, I guess we'll all keep our eyes peeled up in the sky. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. You're listening to Behind the Lens. I'm Carolyn Heldman. My guests this week are criminal justice reporter Nick Crastle, education reporter Marta Jusen, and photojournalist LaChance Perry. Hi, I'm Ann Muller, Chief Operating Officer at The Lens. As a reader of The Lens, you already know that we prioritize truth over profits. Our reporters work tirelessly to produce public service journalism that you can trust because you deserve to have a go-to source for the news that matters most to you. Give today at thelensnola.org and help sustain your trusted source of news. Thank you and happy holidays. All right. One of the most endearing and enduring symbols of... um, New Orleans, if you happen to look down. There's so many things to look up at, including drones now, apparently. But uh, one of the things that you see when you look down are these treasured water meter covers, which have this beautiful design. They've been around since last century, and now they're being replaced. Marta and Lachance, tell us what's happening with the new water meter covers. Yeah, so the, you know, the old water meter covers with that infamous or iconic um, crescent and moon are made out of cast iron, which means they aren't exactly ideal for the sewer and water boards. Um, New smart meters that are going in that, you know, require some level of, um, I can't remember if it's like radio frequency or, but they need to be able to communicate wirelessly um, back to the agency. So uh, those old lids just weren't going to work with that new technology. Okay, so... The new technology was coming in and and without any warning, just the the iconic water meter covers were starting to get removed, replaced in the dead of night. I mean, this is kind of funny because the, you could say the lens had warning. Um, we found this out like two and a half years ago in an interview. Mm. And at the time, the sewer and water board asked us to sit on it, uh, lest there be a run on the old covers. And oh. we... Uh, you know, that was okay because it hadn't really started yet. Um, we just thought, you know, that's fine. We'll wait a little bit. Uh, I think we thought it'd only be like a month or two, not like two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, LaChance and Katie and myself saw them working their way through mid city and they had the old lids in the back of the pickup truck. So it was time to, time to pull the trigger on the story. <laughs> and the new ones, you've got some pictures of the new ones and there's, it, it's hard for me to understand how there can be a radio frequency meter or whatever technology is is embedded in that little bubble on the top that yeah so where you're seeing that little bubble pop up that's that actually goes through the meter so it's there's a been a hole drilled and that's the top of it so and does that make sense yes but and presumably all of that can withstand floods which are 
I think that's a great question. I also think it's a good question if they can uh, withstand the weight of a pickup truck or some other thing that might be parked on top of them. And my guess is that we're going to find that out in the coming months and years. Right. In the old days, you have in the story that um, there was a run on these things, that people were stealing them for a while. Yeah, so they actually, in the 70s, they started replacing um, the you know, original design with planar covers when they would be stolen just to um, prevent that and try to cut down on those costs. And what is the benefit? And I quote, the end of most surprise high bills, errors, and routine estimates from manual reads. So uh, we'll wait and see on that one, I think. They're, they're saying that these old covers were leading to some of the kind of outrageous bills that people were receiving? No, I think they're saying that um, like a, a, a technology that's actually plugged in um, that can essentially they don't need as many employees anymore, right? They don't need someone to look at that meter every single month. Um, sometimes if you go look in your meter box, it's caked with mud. So a human wouldn't, you know, necessarily be able to read it. Um, so then people are getting estimated bills and okay. the way this waterboard would kind of even that out, it would get complicated. So in theory, these meters are going to report basically in real time water usage. You'll get your bill once a month. And then another added benefit if they work properly is that, you know, they'd be able to tell a, a, a homeowner or a, a sewer and water board, like if an enormous amount of water was going through, like that would be a sign of a leak perhaps. Okay. So the little, the bubble that, that has the technology in it is going to speak to all the neighbors meters and get d data about their particular water usage. And that's how the bill will be created. Yeah, so each one's connected to the, the single meter in the house or the double meter if you're in a double, and then that goes to the sewer and water board has a handful of antennas around town. Got it. Okay. And first, what's happening to the covers that they're pulling out? And second, there is some sort of good news about what's that they say they're going to be putting actually more of the covers in as a result of this. Tell us about those things. Yeah, so the uh, Grace Birch with the Sewer and Water Board said that actually currently only um, about a fifth of the meter lids out there are the that iconic design. And she said that by the end of this process, which I think we have no idea how long this will take, um, that a third of the lids will have that design. They'll be the new lids, but they'll still carry a similar design. Um, and then for your other question, what are they going to do with the old ones? I have no idea, okay. but I know they want to do a some community input process and figure out what to do with them. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. So they're going to design the new, the new technologically enabled, um, meter with the old design in some, in some places. Yeah. The, the Ford meter company, which has made these uh, boxes for the last hundred years is making the new um, meter boxes and covers as well. Okay, so we're not going to lose them forever. No, just the just the cast iron, the the old ones. <laughs> um, what I will say is, I think it will be interesting to see the new design. I think that the old design or the original design. Um, or, well, one of the unique things that I find about the city of New Orleans is how even in everyday necessities, there are certain levels of art that's still ingrained in them. So though this is just a cover for, um, you know, the water meters, it still tells a story about the history of the city. And I think that 
with removing those covers, um, changing the design, it kind of erases that that little smidge of history that you get that's simply just on a cover that you can see walking down the street. And I think that's one of the things that makes this city so unique. And I think that's one of the things that may be taken away with this change. And it was chance hits exactly on a, a kind of a bigger point we had wondered from the sewer and water board. Uh, at one point, they kind of said like the the replacement covers that actually have the iconic design will go in places where they make sense. And it was like, okay, so does that mean you're just going to put them in the French Quarter and not on my block? Or you know, what exactly does that mean? I think we're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. Yeah, because one of the one of the hallmarks of that city is exactly what you suggested and, and recognized, LaChance, is that there's history and art everywhere you look. If you just peek around a corner, that was one of the most uh, heartwarming and beautiful experiences that I had during COVID as everything was shut down. You can't keep that city from expressing itself culturally, musically, arts, everything. Just things started to percolate up from the most surprising places, even when the city was really still in shutdown, you like the growth of the greenery that happens on a on a stop sign, you know, it'll turn into some amazing, almost like an art installation. But those water meters are beloved. And Lachance, I so appreciate how you said that was so eloquent. And like, I, I think I don't always think that when I'm like, walking through the neighborhood and I see them, but it is just such a little nice touch of the city. And Yeah, well, you know, I'm from, remember I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. So when I think about how I grew up and just what I connect with and also how I've seen my city change, I think about my experience living here in New Orleans, what I knew about the city prior, what I've noticed while living through the city, and then the changes that I am seeing. So I think it's very interesting how this city specifically has a unique connection to art in a way that it is represented uh that it represents history i think is unique in a way that i haven't seen you know in my lifetime uh, my very short lifetime but i i just think that's one of the things that stands out to me for sure is how it's a constant blend of art but also with necessity with life just with living so i think that new orleans this city really um brings to life that idea of does life imitate art or does art imitate life oh perfect all right what a nice way to end thank you ladies thank you thank you all right bye guys this is behind the lens a podcast from the lens new orleans first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom i'm carolyn heldman thanks to our guest this week criminal justice reporter nick crastle education reporter Marta Jusen, and photojournalist LaChance Perry. You can read all the week's other news plus opinions at our website, thelensnola.org. Thanks for listening.